Hello and welcome to the Anchor Faith Message Podcast. Enjoy this message. You ready? All right. Uh, the, the title of the message, flash it up there, gang. Somebody help me. And we're going to talk about a subject that years ago I learned was the difference between a mediocre Christian life and an astounding Christian life. A lot of people don't realize it, and we're going to talk about one of the smallest words in the Bible, but yet we're going to take a look at illustrations, but I can promise you that uh, the the very thing that <clears throat> we discuss out of uh, 1 Corinthians tonight, uh, hopefully you'll, you'll have an understanding of how spiritual this particular gift is to us, okay? And uh, I want you, if you, anybody bring a Bible, a real Bible, not a digital Bible? You got a real one? I'm, I'm starting a campaign, revival of the paper Bible. <laughs> is that all right? Do you know how many times that my phone died on me? in the middle of a scripture I'm trying to find. I mean, ridiculous. All right, I'm going back to the paper, all right? First Corinthians chapter 12 this evening, I am gonna share some things with you that the Apostle Paul was uh, basically inspired uh, by the Holy Spirit to give us. And I think sometimes that we don't really concentrate or get the parallel that he was trying to share with us because this subject is extremely important. But I want to start, uh, if we can, I'm going to start in verse uh, 18. And it says, uh, but, how, uh, but now have God set members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. Pastors read this verse to us before. All right, but God has set every one of us in the body as he wanted us in the body. And when we take a look at the next verse, let's take a look at some of these verses here because Paul is getting ready to give us a understanding of how important every one of us are in the makeup of the body of Christ. And once you get that understanding of how important you truly are, the day of options is over. Well, you know, I might go to church or I might not. You you don't understand exactly what the body of Christ is. And Paul begins an illustration to show us how the body of Christ is basically uh, uh, compared to your physical body. Now, notice what he said. He said uh, in verse 19, and if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now are they many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, verse 22, I want to take a look at this one. It says, nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Now think about it with me for a second. Somebody knows somebody, in this body even, that when they come in, they're a little weaker than other people in the body. You know, I don't know about you, but I've seen people, have you ever seen people in church, they just look like they have it all together? I mean, they are either great actors, or they have found something that really does let us know that some things are going right in their life. 
But not everybody's like that, and this scripture bears it out. It says that those that are feeble, they are necessary. Look at the next verse, 23. And those members of the body, now look at this, which we think. Sometimes we need to just quit thinking. Look at this. That we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our comely, uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. The word comeliness in the, in the Greek, it just means good looking. You know, we want to get everybody together, and you know what? We just want to be good looking. Now, I have some problems with that area, personally. So what were we, we were out there talking about my hairdo just a few minutes ago. And I asked my wife before I got in the car, I says, my hair look all right? You know, I can comb my hair with a washcloth. <laughs> Easy. Easy. But in here, he tells us right here, he says, uh, he, he said that our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. See, the thing is, it says that we think. That's a problem with our thinking sometimes. We judge people by their outward appearance. And God has already told us he does not do that. Remember the story of David? He said, y'all are judging people on the outside. He said, but I don't, I judge them on the inside. And so we have people that, you know, that they come in and they look like they have problems and some people, they don't go hang out with them. They just go ahead and they walk the other direction. Oh man, somebody came in, you know, that might have a little different odor to them. You know, the thing is, is that God wants us to make sure that when a weaker vessel comes in, that we give it more attention. Why? Because that's what we do to parts that lack. Does that, does that make sense? All right, now look at the next verse. It says, for our comely parts have no need, but God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the parts that lacked. In other words, we got people that look like they got it all together, and then we got some people, it's obvious they don't. And God says he has, and the word in here, what did he say, that, that particular word right here, tempered? That word means to weld. In other words, God's going to be welding some people to us, and how many of you guys know what a weld is? What is a weld for? Strength. And to hold something together that isn't really easy to get it apart. That's the desire. And he said, so he's tempered us together, all right, so that we would, have, uh, we would have more abundant honor to the part that lacked. Look at verse 25, that there should be no schism. The word schism is uh, the word division. He said, there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Verse 26, and whether one member suffer, we all suffer with it. When one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. So he tells us in this verse right here, he said that we should have the same care one for another. And he said, when one member suffers, we all suffer. Anybody ever had an injury? I've had some self-inflicted ones. Let me tell you about one. One day, uh, Melanie and I had bought this property in Oklahoma. 
and it came with a real big porch. Had a pecan tree right in the middle of the porch. This big around, you couldn't get your arms around it. It's humongous. And it was a little dilapidated, you know, and, and we knew it when we got it, but you know, I'm a handyman. I don't know if you know that about me. And I know, I, I know my way completely and perfectly around a few home improvement stores that I won't name unless they pay me. Okay. And, uh, or give me a gift card. And, uh, but uh, anyway, had, I had some stairs that needed repair. Okay. So I know how to do that. That's not a big deal. And this is, gentlemen, this is the days before cordless drills. Okay. We had a, a thing called a hammer and we had a thing called a nail. Okay. And that's how you put stuff together. All right, so I get my stringers up there, get the old ones off, get the new ones attached, get everything, and I start putting, you know, the steps on it. And, and basically, it fit two two-by-fours, just perfect, bah, 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 going on down. Melanie pulls out a little chair, and she's sitting on top of the porch. Porch probably about three and a half feet tall. And she's grinning right now, and I hate it when she does that. <laughs> and I am, I am going, and it's starting to get dark. So I'm on my knees. Might need some help here in a minute. <laughs> I'm on my knees and I am hitting it. And I've got three stringers, okay? And I'm, I'm going and I'm almost, and she's talking and I'm talking back, you know? And I come to the last three or four nails that I got to hit. And I reared back and I come down and hit the wrong nail. I hit the nail attached to my body. Now, I'm sitting up and I'm, I grabbed it as fast as I could. I mean, I knew blood squirting. And I looked up at her and she's sitting up there and she did have the, the look for a millisecond of surprise. And then she just busted up into laughter that the whole neighborhood could hear, and this is what I did. <laughs> right there in the front yard. And she is laughing, and, I, and I'm thinking, I gotta get up. My whole body was hurting. And it was just my thumb. And I said, I got to get up. And you know what my body did? It came up with a plan to get me up out of that yard and get in the house, but I didn't ever let go of my thumb. And it is just like an alarm went off as soon as I hit it. Now, you know, every one of us in here, and we've, we've done something. And did you know that your whole body is affected by that one place? And you know what I'm thankful? That this hand didn't go, I hope you make it. <laughs> my legs, my hand, everybody came to attention to help me. When one member suffers, we all suffer. 
And when one member is honored, we all rejoice. So we have to, we have to understand how the body of Christ is directly related and a perfect picture of where we are. But let's continue. Because it says in verse 27, we back up, it said, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. All right. Now, verse 28. And God has set some in the church. Okay. I want you to know this is a list. This is probably God's one of his most important lists for the body of Christ. So we have to pay attention. Look at this. He said some in the church, firstly, apostles, secondarily, prophets, thirdly, teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, and diversity of tongues. Right? So this is God's top list of what he'd like to see in the church that he created that should be taking care of each other. All right? Now notice this. He said in there, he said, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversity of tongues. Now, look at the next verse. Are all apostles? What's the answer? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. He said, have all, the give, uh, have all the gifts of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? Now, this is the thing you have to understand on what tongues he's talking about because he explains it in the next verse. All of us should have the gift of prayer language or devotional gift of tongues that is, we can prove that throughout scripture, doctrinally speaking, everyone that is born again should be baptized in the Holy Spirit and the evidence of that in the physical realm is the ability to pray in an unknown tongue. All right, but here he's talking about the gifts. Now, I didn't take you through the first part of this chapter because the first part of this chapter talks about the nine spirit gifts. All right, and two of those gifts is the ability to pray in different kinds of tongues and interpretation of those tongues. We know he's talking about that gift because this is the next verse. He said, do all, <clears throat> he said, do all speak within tongues? And he says, do all interpret? No. And he said, but covet earnestly the best gifts, yet I show unto you a more excellent way. And then he goes into the, what is commonly known as the love chapter. Okay, but I want to go back through the, that list again, because did you know that there's two gifts that God put in the church that aren't listed in that second part? The first one is helps, and the next one is government. And tonight I want to spend a little time and explain to you the importance for the body of Christ in the gift that God gave to the church, the little old word, helps. I think I got it at the definition. Let's take a look at this. The word helps in the New Testament is the Greek word, anybody pronounce that? Antilapsis is what, how you pronounce it. I did the phonetic spelling so you could kind of get it, okay? It mean, and here's the definition if you're taking notes. That little word helps means to give help, to give aid, or support. 
Now notice, it wasn't listed in that list of do all, are, are, are all apostles? No. But did you know this wasn't in that list? So you know what that tells me? It must imply that everybody has something that they can give to help, to aid, or support. Now, in the Greek, it is a compound word. The first word, anti, A-N-T-I, put it back up there for me. It means in opposition to or the opposite of. Now, look at this. The word lampsas is the act of receiving. When you compound the two words together, it is the opposite of the act of receiving, which would be the act of what? Giving. To give help, aid, or support. So he's telling us that one of the gifts that God has set in the church is the ability to give help, aid, or support. Let's take a look at a few places in the Bible. Even though it's a little bitty word, man, the, the Bible is in abundance of pictures. So we're going to paint some pictures. All right, let's go over to the Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17 is a story, and I don't want to say story, let's say account. How's that? It is factual and true. All right, now look at that. One side done, one side to go. Hey, and we're done. Start in verse 8. It said, uh, then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose out men and go out and fight with Amalek tomorrow, and I will stand at the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Everybody know about that rod, right? That rod was something else. Started out just being a little old shepherd stick, you know. And then uh, the Lord said, throw that thing down when he was on the mountain, you know, with him. And he said, throw that down, turned into a snake, said he took off running. Moses took off running. Like I would do when I see snakes, okay? One got in the garage the other day. Man, talk about go berserk. We did. We got him out. I'm not going to let say anything else. Okay. And he said, listen, I'm going to go up with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said and thought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Now, some scholars believe that Hur, H-U-R, was the uh, brother-in-law and was married to Miriam. Okay? So we got, we have, we have uh, uh, Aaron, his brother, and his brother-in-law went up to the mountain with him to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hands, all right, Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Now, you know, when you get the revelation of this, wouldn't you be tempted to go? <laughs> Wondering, what's going on? Now, notice this. 
It says, and it came to pass when he held up his hand, they, uh, Israel prevailed when he let down his hand, and Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. So we have the first picture of somebody getting a little help. And he said he raised his hands and while his hands were raised, it said that we were winning. And then it, when he put his hands down, I don't know, what's he talking to? The boys looks down, we're getting whipped. Puts his hands back up. Then it says he's getting a little tired. Well, I guess so. Guy's 80 years old. See, some of you in here, let me see. All of you in here have no excuse. He says, and he said, so he raised his hand. He got tired. Aaron and her got on each side. So picture it. You can see it. He's sitting on the rock, and he's got his arms up in the air, and they're holding his arms up, and they won the war. You know why so many churches today can't get nothing done? It's because their pastors wore out. They're not helping him. They don't have his arms raised. They don't, they don't let him do what he's designed to do because I'm going to show you in a minute the job description of a pastor so you're not confused. But they, they said they won that war. That's, how, that's what we have to be. Is that we have to be able to say, you know what, I think I got some things that we can help here. Because we need pastor's arms in the air so that we can win. You know, tapping into all that we're getting ready to do with the mall. See, this isn't a spectator sport. Anybody figured that out yet? It's not spectator. It's participator. That's what we have to be as a participator. I think it's participator. Yes. All right, let's go to the next chapter. And I think it's interesting that all these, these accounts are in like two or three chapters. Listen to this one. Start in verse 13. Exodus 18, verse 13. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from the morning to the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing to the people? Why sittest yourself alone and all the people stand by you from morning till evening? And Moses said, well, you know, because people come to me to inquire of God. And when they have a matter, they come to me and I judge between one and the other. And I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law looked at him and said, the thing that you're doing is not good. You will surely wear away both you and this people that is with you for this thing is too heavy for you and you are not able to perform it yourself alone. And we're going to continue on here, but I need to paint the picture. Okay? Here's Moses, right? Let's pretend he's got a tent. He's in a tent. Turns around. Let's make the tent this way. Turns around. And he's pulling his desk out. Inside one of the drawers of his desk is a little nameplate. Pastor Moses. 
sticks it on there. Tries to get up earlier, but all of a sudden the line starts to form by two. Now, scholars tell us there's about three million people. Unborn again people. So he's sitting at his desk and the lines start to form out of three million unborn again people. How long do you think this line is going to be? And it says from morning until evening. How many like standing in line? Anybody ever been to Disney? That will test your patience for a ride. These guys stood in line from morning to evening so they could go before Pastor Moses and tell them their trouble. Pastor Moses, we got trouble. And you know what these you know what they did? As soon as Pastor Moses said, "Okay, this is what we're going to do about this situation." They walk back by the line and you know what they did they looked and they hey I got a problem with you too you get back in the line with me when we get done you get done this line is never ending this is a reciprocating line from morning until evening every day somebody is going to have some kind of problem with somebody else and his father-in-law said to him, he said, the thing that you are doing is not good. He said, because you're going to wear out. And he said, and you know what? You're going to wear the people out. I'm already worn out reading it. Right. I'm thinking, you know, as much as I hate lines, and then, you know, to stand in one to get something taken care of, and then, you know, knowing I got to get back in that line. That's all, I'm wondering, is anybody doing anything else? But standing in line whining about their brother or sister? Get out of the line. Start looking for what, what, what can we do to help this situation? And he tells them right there, he said, now notice, I want you to see what it, kind of advice he gave him. He said, listen, hearken, to your, uh, hearken now unto my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Number one, he said, be uh, uh, for the people to Godward that you may bring the causes unto God. First thing, I've got it on here somewhere. There's a note there somewhere. Number one, the first thing that he told him to do was this. Intercede for the people. Pray for the people. Bring their causes up before me. That's what the Lord is wanting him to do. Pastor Moses, his job was to be an intercessor for the people. The second thing, look at this. He said, and you will teach them ordinances and laws, and you shall show them the way where they must walk and the work that they must do. Basically, when you see the way that they must walk, there's a particular word in the Greek in the New Testament, and that, and that word basically is the word conversation. Anybody ever seen it? It's not talking. The word conversation in the New Testament is the word manner of life. How do you live? What is it on a daily basis that you do? How do you actually conduct yourself? Well, here he's saying, listen, I need you to teach the people the way that they should live and also the work that they're supposed to do. That was the second thing he told them. 
All right. Look at the next thing. He said, and moreover, you shall provide out of the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, haters of covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifty, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for you, and, for, and, and they shall bear the burden with you. If you will do this thing, the Lord commands thee so. Verse 23, he said, then you will be able to endure, and all the people shall also go to their place in peace. So Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. He chose able men out of Israel and made them heads of the people, rulers, thousands, uh, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifty, and rulers of ten. They judged the people at all season, heard uh, the hard cases they brought to Moses, uh, but every small matter they judged themselves. So we see that God had Moses' father-in-law set up the structure that the body of God in the wilderness, all right, was supposed to get into and what they were supposed to be doing. See, it's very important for us to understand what it is that our pastor is supposed to be doing and what we are supposed to be doing. If we don't have that, you know, I grew up in a denomination that the pastor needed to do everything. And they, and they got fouled up because there's a particular passage in Ephesians chapter 11, it's not in my notes, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he said, he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Verse 12 says, for the, basically the equipping or the, the, the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Most people have translated that, that those that in the ministry are supposed to be doing the work and edifying the body of Christ. That is not how that's translated. It's translated as, that they are supposed to instruct us to be able to do the work and instruct us to build each other up. You know, I wish I, I wish some, Pastor Mike, would you just go to the gym for me? I know y'all been trying to get me in the gym forever. You know what I'm saying? But I just feel better if you go do it for me. That's not how we edify ourselves. That's not how we build ourselves up. We don't, you know, Get a proxy to go in there, and I can walk around all day saying, yes, I can bench press how much? <laughs> Several hundred. Okay. <laughs> my whole body. He can bench press my whole body. I'm sure of it. But the thing is, is that when we talk about, he said that, that they'd be ministers, those five-fold ministry gifts, all right, were to equip the saints. I think it's interesting because the word equip in there is the Greek word katartismos, and the word katartismos means the setting of a bone. It's a medical term. So when he said that those fivefold ministers are to equip the saints, that means that he is supposed to help us find our spot in the body. And then we, in turn, are supposed to do the work of the ministry and the edifying of each other. So when we, we see that, you know, when the Bible talks about how we're supposed to respond to each other, how we're supposed to work with each other, how we're supposed to build each other up, it, we get a whole new perspective on what in the world we're supposed to be doing. And I encourage you, you know, the, the people that I've noticed that are the most busy for the Lord are the ones that have a better balance. 
I, I just looked at the common denominator. I've studied people for years. You know, I thought it was interesting when I went to Africa back in the 90s, and I had developed a whole curriculum on understanding the ministry of helps that God had put in there. And I, was get, I got off the plane in Kenya, and I'm standing in a customs line, okay? And it was so funny because I, had, I, I saw this little group of men that were going to each person in the line. So I didn't know if they had trinkets for sale. I didn't know what they were doing. But as they got closer, I could hear them saying, are you Randy Clay? Are you Randy Clay? Are you Randy Clay? I mean, to everybody in the line. Well, our team leader was in front of me, and they came up to him, and they said, are you Randy Clay? And they said, he, uh, he said, no, but he is. And they go, Randy Clay, Ministry of Helps. I am world known <laughs> on the Ministry of Helps. And it was so funny because we were driving down a road, me and another uh, a missionary, and she goes, we got to stop at this gas station, which, you know, okay, that's fine. He said, we got to pick somebody up. And we picked this guy up, and he was a pastor, and, the, and he got in the back seat, and she introduced him. He goes, you're Randy Clay? And I go, well, yes, sir. He goes, you're Mr. Ministry of Helps. He said, we've heard all your tapes. Tapes, cassette tapes. <laughs> Y'all know what they are? Wow. It's the group. The group. I want you to go to Luke chapter 5. Business people, we're going to go into detail uh, on this scripture. I don't know that it's going to be next month. For Kingdom First Business Alliance, but there is a passage when we talk about helping that is so important of understanding as business people, the most important, I said this last, last month, I said the most important thing for any business person is to figure out how you can either through your company promote the gospel of the kingdom or you make money to support. Some businesses, they may have a product that they can offer or that they can do that would help the gospel message. Some people, they raise money as business people, all right? But look at this story here, and this is Luke chapter 5. I love this. This is one of my favorite. God is no respecter of persons. Look at verse 1. We up there? And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon Jesus to hear the word of God, he stood by the, uh, as he stood by the lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee, he said he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Make a note in your mind. What are these guys doing? He said, and he entered one of the ships, which was Simon Peter's, and he, he prayed him and, sa and asked him if he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drop. And, and he said, uh, answered and said, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, we will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their nets break. They beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, and when they were come, uh, they were come to help them. And they said, and when there came, they filled both ships that they began to sink. See, what was that 
That was a ministry of helps in action. Peter allowed Jesus to borrow his boat to do what? Teach the people. See, Jesus has a heart for any business person, all right, that will figure out what they need to do or budget to spread the gospel of the kingdom. And I love this story, all right, because here's Andrew, you know, uh, his brother helping him, but then it says James and John were the sons of Zebedee, and it said they beckoned to their partners to come. You know, I like that kind of story where I don't have to, you know, extend any faith whatsoever to sink my boat. I just happen to be a partner, a partner with the guy that can bring the blessing. We in business need to be in partnership with the one that can bring the business as the Lord Jesus. He's the guy. I mean, you know, anybody can catch fish like that if you have somebody tell you where to go. He did. And, you know, and Peter at first, Peter at first, I'm glad this story didn't have a different ending. You know, he said, okay, Lord. Man, I've looked up your resume. Best I can figure is you don't know nothing about fishing. Now, I know you was over there with your daddy most of your life, building little tables, you know, as a carpenter, really. Carpenter was a master builder. He built homes. Joseph did. And he said, we have toiled all night and taken nothing. And what were they doing? I told you to take it out. What were they doing? They were cleaning the nets. Only to hear Jesus say, hey, why don't you guys go ahead and go out into the deep and cast your nets in? Peter. Nevertheless, at your word, we'll let down the nets. Now, his response was remarkable because it said he fell on his knees and he said, I'm a sinful man, depart from me. And Jesus looked at him and he told him the most important thing in the world he could catch. He said, from now on, you're going to be catching men. We have got to figure out men and women, business owners, how do we catch men? What do we need to do to be able to catch men? All right? Let's take a look at the last one, and I may have a couple, just a couple others to remind you of. Acts chapter 6. Church is brand new. Brand new things sometimes have kinks in them. Kind of like my red, you know, my red, what is it, a Ford or a Chevy? No, it's a Chevy. It's my wife's truck. And uh, I'll never forget, you know, people had asked, you know, as far as, you know, paint's chipping off it and everything. But, see, several years ago, um, we had a light come on our dash. And it was the first model, uh, 2006 seven was this first time to model and all of a sudden you know we had this light come on the dash and it says put oil in well I don't know why it says that because I always make sure I have oil I change the oil the whole bit take it to the dealership they said yeah sums up with those motors we have several people with that coming on I said well 
is, am I losing oil? What's the deal? Well, we'll run a test. Okay, they ran a test. No, everything's good. A few weeks later, the light comes back on. Take it back in. They said, well, there's some problems. So there's eight steps we have to do, all right, uh, you know, to get it. I went through all eight. And they ended up taking the motor apart, putting new rings in it, the whole nine yards. And this was all before the 100,000 mile mark. You know, that's warranty. Well, somebody forgot to tighten something. And I got the parking lot guys out here going, hey, Reverend Randy, did you know your motor's making a ticking noise? Yeah, I hear it. I said, every time I pull up at a drive-thru, I'm sitting there listening, it's bouncing, the ticking noise is bouncing off the wall at Chick-fil-A. I can hear it, tick, 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 tick. Go, that sounds like a lifter. It's a lifter. <laughs> One day we're coming to church and it lifted its way to heaven. <laughs> Motor blue. Right there, coming down the road, old Moultrie. Limped it in there. Had to put a new motor in it. So I know things that are new have kinks. You know? How much was that? $6,900. No warranty. Because across the 100000 I said, I'm a good customer. Can you help? No. It's, it's the way it is. Okay, so you want to know why we're driving an old truck? It's, a motor's only got about 130,000 miles on it. But you know what? The body of Christ, it had some kinks too. And in the very beginning, check this out in verse, uh, verse, uh, chapter, chapter 6, verse 1. It said, In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So we got us a brand new church, and we got whining and complaining beginning. Now, you know what? I can take a little whining, but one thing I can't stand is gang whining. All right? Forget it. I may not help you. I might find somebody else. A little more patient, maybe. I don't know. Daily ministration. He said, the twelve called the multitude of disciples to them and said, it is not pleasing that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look at you out among you, seven men, of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. You need to underline verse 4. Because herein lies the job description of any pastor. It says that we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. Basically, in a nutshell, is the same thing that Moses did. Spend his time in prayer, interceding for the people, and then teaching them the way they must walk and the work they must do. So here he's telling them, it is not pleasing to God when we have. Now, you know, again, I came from a background in church that the last, not the last church, the church before that, our pastor had a, a uh, part-time job. He had his own little company, and that's how he made uh, his living. All right, and the thing was that I was saddened by it because I thought, man, you know, this guy's, he's in the ministry. The ministry ought to take care of him. 
He ought to be able to give himself to prayer and ministry of the word. You know, and sometimes I know that there's weakness in the pulpit because you know why? Their pastors are as wore out as we are. Out there mowing the grass and doing all that. So, you know, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but we got some grass around here now. I mean, it's been here, but somebody else was taking care of it. I mean, there's different things that are coming. I mean, in maintenance and, and all these different things, we've got to be, we've got to be the, the type of people that say, you know what, what are we, we going to do? How are we going to participate? But he said, we'll give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. They uh, chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip and Procurus, uh, Nicanor, uh, 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 Timon, uh, Parmenas, and he said, Nicholas, the proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they prayed, they laid their hands on them. How many of y'all had pastor lay his hands on you? Okay, when you decided that you were going to serve and, and join us in the ministry, he laid his hands and prayed. It's biblical right here. But I want you to see the result. If we had the, if we understand our part of the body and what we're supposed to be doing, look at this. And the word of God increased, the numbers of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So he tells us right here, he said, the word of God increased. Isn't that what we want? Yes. We don't want man's opinion increasing. Right. We want the word of God to increase. Notice the next thing he said, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. We'd like to see some of that. I'd love to see that. You know, we have people come down, they're moved by the message, you know, they come down, they want to give, uh, you know, their heart to Jesus, even though we never, we never make that part of our invitation, because that's not in the Bible, all right? Is that you come down and make Jesus Lord, and what are you doing? We need to let them know. All of you in counseling, we need to let them know. They are enrolling in school. The number of Christians multiplied greatly. No, it didn't say that. It said disciples. A disciple is a disciplined learner. He is a student, a pupil. That's what Jesus said. He said, go into all nations, Matthew 28, verse 19. He said, go into all nations teaching them and baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. The word teaching there is the word methetes, but it's really the word methetuo. It is a Greek word or a verb that means to enroll as a student or enroll as a pupil. Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and make converts. He said, you go into all the world and make them into disciplined followers of my teaching. If we don't do that, we're not doing what Jesus asked us to do. But it said a number, of multi, a number of disciples multiplied, and it didn't say just multiplied, it said greatly. And then it said this, and even a company of priests were obedient to the faith. Even the hardcore religious people were melted into the message of the kingdom of God because people took their place and became a working body, not just spectators. Does that make sense to anybody? And I want to, I want to, I want to, uh, you know, we're going to wrap it up. What time is it? I can't even see. 834, it's a record. Let's talk just for a second about servanthood, okay, and the type of servanthood that we all need. 20th chapter, Matthew, verse 20 starts. James and John's mama, like every mama, 
just wants her boys taken care of. Comes up to Jesus and says, I have a request. What's the request? Well, I want my sons to sit on your right hand and your left hand when you come into your kingdom. Now, I thought that was interesting because she even knew that he was a king and knew that he was going to be coming into a kingdom, but she wanted her boys on the right and the left. And Jesus told her, he said, you don't really know what you're asking. He said, and he looked over, he said, can you guys drink of the same cup that I'm going to drink from? And they said, oh, yeah. They didn't even know what was in the cup. And he said, indeed, you will drink of that cup. But to give you those positions is only my father's business. And he began to talk to them and he said, listen, he said, you know the world, the management system of the world, that most managers, they lord it over those that are under them. Anybody work there? Anybody ever had a job there? You know, the, the, the person that's over you it, it thinks it's King Kong. In a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a nice, you know, warm uh, uh, jacket. It's a, a gorilla. <laughs> gorilla. <laughs> All right. Yeah, they act like that. Well, the thing is, is that Jesus said, let it not be one time named among you on that kind of leadership attitude. And he said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, he said, then you need to be basically a minister. The word minister is the word diakonos, and that word just simply means somebody that attends to the needs of somebody else. But then he said, if you want to be the chief, he said, then you must become a servant. And that word servant is the word doulos means love slave, bond servant, bond slave. It's somebody that has decided to serve Jesus because they love him. They love him. That's the picture. And he said, I need you to be like me. He said, I didn't come for you guys to minister to me. I came to minister to you and to give my life a ransom for many. How many of us got that kind of commitment? Raise your hand because you're going to have it. In Jesus' name. There's nothing going to be too small. I tell you what, you know, one of the things when I taught on the ministry helps years ago, I told my pastor, David Emi, I said, listen, I will bow out for a better man. You find somebody to do the job that I'm doing better than I can do it. You will hear nothing from me. I will serve that guy like nobody's business. And I said, but I want you to know something, okay? Because when we're talking about serving and we're talking about doing those things, I said, I'm going to have a passion in my serving. I, I was over, as associate pastor, I was over the ushers, the greeters, and the, uh, usher, the altar counselors. I met with them every month. I, get, I came up with programs to help them be better servants. Because I, I figured this out. The, the true happiness and joy in the Christian walk is how good of a servant are you? Jesus was the greatest of servants. He even told us, second, second chapter of Philippians, he said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And he said, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, because why? He took on the form of a servant. And that word form of servant is the word doulos again. It is a slave because he loved his father. And that no matter what, 
And I told Pastor David, I said, listen, you need me to go and get back in the nursery. You need me to clean toilets. You need me. I am there. The first dirty diaper in my life that I ever changed was in the nursery. You know why? Because I told Melanie, I said, we're going to have kids one day. And we did. A little scary. Where's he at? He ain't in here, is he? Too bad he turned out looking like me. That's, man. But I said, we're going to have kids one day. I want to sow seed now. I want to take care of everybody else's kids. And then we'll have the right to ask God to make sure that whoever we turn our children over to, when they start growing up, that they will be well taken care of. Now, them women in there, I was the only man. And then women in there tricked me because we smelled something. And all of a sudden, it was so funny because all the women in unison picked up another child. (laughs) And once I figured out where the smell was coming from, it was kind of like, hey, over there, can you help him out? I changed that dirty diaper, but you know what? I've changed a lot of dirty diapers since then. I have, I, you know, and, and then when the potty training came and the whole bit, I took care of that too. But you know, if, if the pastor asked me, he said, I need you back in there, I'm going. You know, if, if we need to be cleaning, if we need to, whatever it is. You know, because at Anchor Faith Church, we will never, ever ask you to do something with us that compares going to a cross. So you know what? I clean all them toilets. I can can clean toilets barehanded. That was my first job ever. They didn't have rubber gloves. What is a rubber glove? We didn't have them. We had a sponge. You just go, man. Now we hope you wash your hands when you get done before you eat that sandwich. Don't forget. Right? But tonight, I want, you to, I want you to, before you go to bed tonight, I want you to take a self-evaluation. Are you serving the Lord with all your heart? I mean, the Bible's very clear. Even in Paul's writings to Colossian church, he said, listen, don't, don't be doing things because you're trying to be a man pleaser so that, you know, you're goofing around when he ain't, they ain't looking. He said, no, no, no. He don't, 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 don't serve with just for eye service. He said, serve because you're serving the Lord. He's walking around here seeing how he do it. If you've ever had the thought, and, and, and you know, <laughs> I had one of the little ones the other day, you know, because they were coming in and out of the church, you know, the daycare, uh, the uh, preschool, pardon me, preschool, and the little ones, and one of them little children had the audacity to look at me and say, are you old? <laughs> now, that's not the first time that's happened in this church. I mean, when we were with the four-year-olds, you know, they were saying, oh, you know, I'm four years old and all this stuff. I go, really? And, they, and I said, how old do you think Mama Mel is? And they go, 16. <laughs> she turns around and says, how old do you think Papa Ranch is? He goes, 89. <laughs> I 
Okay. So maybe I am old. All right. It's all right. I said, like I said, Moses started when he was 80, so I'm, t I'm 20 years ahead of him. But if you've ever had this thought, you know what? Why don't we just let the young people do it? I want you to repent tonight. Because there's some things that we older folk have to offer. In all seriousness. If you've had the thought, you know, we're just doing too much. You need to repent tonight. Now, what does repent mean? Change your thinking. You know, if you've ever had those thoughts that, you know, I just can't do anymore. Remember the cross. See, Jesus didn't just, you know, get dressed and start marching up a hill. They beat him near to death. He said his, his, his image was so marred that you couldn't even tell. He was a human. I, 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 I am shocked to think he didn't bleed to death before he got there. But yet he got there and he died and he rose again so that all of us, you know, could confess him as Lord. And when the Lord tells us to do something, guess what we should do? Whatever it is he says. You know, and, and that, I wrote an article years ago called, Are Your Hands in Your Pocket? And one of the things I tried to do, I went on a campaign to get people delivered from the pocket fuzz. Gentlemen, you know what I'm talking about? You got, you reach in there and you got fuzz in your pocket. People just walking around and it, the Bible's very clear. It said, whatsoever your hand findeth to do, do it with all your might. But everybody, some people just walk around with their hands in their pocket. And their hands ain't looking for anything to do. We've got to make sure, hey, it's, it's not going to slow down here. We're going in another gear. And it's going to take everybody. We're a body. Everybody. Thanks again so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to get more of our content, you can subscribe wherever you're listening, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. You can also watch our weekend messages at youtube.com forward slash anchor faith when they air every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Subscribe to us so you never miss a message and leave us a comment or a like. It really does help. You sharing, rating, and commenting on this podcast and any of our content is the best way to keep it in circulation for others to be influenced with this message of God's kingdom. So please consider sending a link to friends and family, sharing on social media, or simply giving us a rating. And finally, if you'd like more information about Anchor Faith Church and support the work we're doing from St. Augustine, Florida in igniting the city, impacting the nation, and influencing the world, you can visit us at anchorfaith.com. 